Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we'll talk about the East B9 Buccaneer over in Munich, Germany against the Seattle Seahawks. That game coming up in Week 10. That was announced, of course, officially their opponent being Seattle in just a minute. But let's start with the much overhyped uh, demise of the Tampa Bay Lightning after their 5 to nothing loss in Game 1. They're down 2-0, right, in the series now? Y- yeah, apparently. Yeah, they're I down think- 2-0. I mean, Toronto's going 16-0. The parade's already set. They know the route. As as my friend Cooch would say, they thought they were like they would celebrate like they won the cup, eh? Are you kidding me? Number one BS. <laughs> Number one BS, and it was, and he was very good. Um, so they win five to three, and it was a complete game by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it this team's ability to sort of flush a bad performance in the postseason. I mean, the, depending on what you count and what you don't, it's either fifteen, sixteen, or fourteen straight games. Uh, they've followed a loss with a win now in the postseason in two plus years but Toronto was schooled I mean it was it was a thorough beating and there, let's face it there were some there were some breaks in this game early mm-hmm. I thought that the Tampa Bay Lightning got none bigger than when Victor Hedman's able to put away a goal with one point something seconds left on the clock at the end of the first period um, you just don't get that. That's a demoralizing thing when you give up a goal, certainly mm-hmm. that late in any period. And, and it, it got them – it was their first goal of the series too, which was which was huge at that point. Um, he almost took too much time. But, you know, it was weird. It was like he said he was looking to pass at the end. He was and, looking for Cooch, and the Cooch yeah, never came Cooch, open. He never came open. But the way he held the puck, it almost looked like he was making the goaltender commit. And it's like, but there's only a second left. And they asked him, like, you know, did you know how much time he had? He goes, yeah, I was counting down. Three, two, <laughs> one. No, I didn't know how much time I had. Um, he said he knew it was 16 seconds when he got the puck. When he got it. So he had an internal clock, and that's yeah. what these guys do. They're professionals, and they, they do sort of have an understanding. But that was, you know, Victor Hedman and Cooper, John Cooper mentioned this after the game. You need your best players to play great. That guy is one of the greatest players ever that played great. And... You know, he had four points. If you didn't like his goal, which got the party started at the end of the first, how about his stretch pass to Corey Perry? Is that a thing of beauty? Yes, it was. Yeah. So one goal, three assists. Yeah, I mean, you know, and John Cooper said in the postgame, you need your stars to be stars. Yes. Nikita Kucherov had three points tonight. Uh Victor Mm -hmm. Hedman had four points. I thought Ryan McDonough was a beast defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I liked Zach Bogosian being in there. And, and they scratched Jan yeah. Ruda for that. It was surprising they didn't scratch Cal Foot to put him in. Although, you know, Cooper said after game one, he was Cal Foot was our best defenseman. Now, he didn't play a lot early in that game. And by the time he was playing, it was later in the game. And Toronto yeah. had a substantial lead. And I, I think it was more about I didn't like the play of our defense is why he said that. But right. uh, Zach Bogosian came in and looked good. It was it, you kind of had the little uh-oh at the beginning of the game. Because the mm-hmm. Lightning take two penalties early. 
They did. And the Toronto power play was dangerous. But the Lightning got through those kills. Mm -hmm. And what you were afraid of is that Toronto was just going to take that into momentum. But Tampa did a great job of wrestling momentum back away from Toronto. And, And look, Toronto got some chances tonight. Toronto's a very skilled offensive team. You're not going to hold them to no chances in a game. Understand that going in. But Tampa Tampa Bay really dominated this game. I thought they took control of the game, particularly after that goal in the, in the first and then going to the second period. And, you know, I mean, Vasilevsky was great, made some great saves. But I, I thought the play in front of him and, and the way they they managed defensively against Toronto was night and day from, from Monday night. And it, it's it's a winning formula in the postseason, and thus they had a win tonight. Yeah, and that's what that's what having Andre Vasilevsky can do when you when you need um, you know a shutout type performance early in a game until your offense gets going. That was the concern was that not that they they played much better from the faceoff. I mean, it was obvious that they were going to check tighter. Um, you know, they had more chances. But they still, until one second or so left in the first period, had not scored a goal in the series. That's when Andre Vasilevsky shows up. Uh, that that's when that goaltender that's had all these shutouts, you know, to close out series. Um, you know, they gave up a shorty, they gave up a shorthanded goal late in that game that made it five to three, and it got a little, little frazzled after that when they took another penalty. The biggest thing they did, and I thought Toronto took the cheese a little bit on this one. You know, mm-hmm. the first game. Their coach kind of set the tone and said, it's going to be borderline violent, and it was. Now you get a different officiating crew in there. But the biggest thing was Toronto seemed more interested in continuing the melee, and they ended up in the box way too many times. And then guess what? Um, Tampa Bay has a good power play too. Kucherov was terrific. Um, you know They scored three goals off the power play, and Toronto hurt themselves with some stupid penalties. Wayne Simmons really had a rough oh. game. Yeah. When you take two penalties after the whistle, mm. you know that's just hurting your team. Mm-hmm. You know it's not a it's not a penalty that happened during play. You didn't need it to to do the high stick. You didn't need to do the cross check. You, all that stuff. I mean, that's just bad hockey. And when yeah. you're and, and I just I felt Toronto got frustrated tonight. They did, and you know it came so easy on Monday night for a mm-hmm. lot of reasons. And and I heard. I was listening to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, who are two uh, Toronto broadcasters who work for Sportsnet, do a lot on the Canadian hockey coverage. They said that Monday's game was the best game that they've ever seen that group of Toronto players play. Mm. And that and that's going to be a couple years. I mean, that's going to be the core. Right. It's the best game they had ever played. Wow. And they also said, you know, and they don't watch the Lightning every game like they do Toronto, but that was the worst game they've ever seen the Lightning play mm-hmm. in this group. And so, okay, so Toronto won that five. Did you think that it was going to continue to game two that way, that, that Tampa no. was going to play that bad, and Toronto could repeat that? If that's the best game you've ever played? Yeah. No. Now, did that mean Tampa, was, Tampa Bay was going to win and Toronto was going to lose? Not necessarily. Mm. But you knew it was going to be a better effort from Tampa Bay. And in that effort, you could see frustrated Toronto, and and they started, they didn't play a smart game as a whole, and and it wasn't every player, but like Wayne Simmons for one, those are two really bad penalties that you just can't take. You hurt your team when you do that, and and you know, 
if you want to look at a reason why Toronto lost that game, it was their frustration level and their ability not to control their emotions. Yeah, and I this is where, you know, like in game one, you thought, well, that didn't look like the team this won back-to-back Stanley Cups. They were they lacked poise. Um, they were slow. Um, mm-hmm. They did take some too many penalties. They didn't score in the power play. They had so many chances, seven out of 11, the first 11 minutes, I think. Toronto had somebody in the box in that game. So they did everything kind of wrong. But here's where the experience comes in, even though you thought it, you'd see it in game one. Where it came in is the adjustments they made in game two. You've said this many times, and, and I heard John Cooper or one of the players say it after the game, is like, hey, it's different. You're not getting on a plane and going to Chicago and playing somebody totally different. Now you've been on the ice with these guys. It's fresh in your mind. You make some adjustments, and you see what you did wrong, and then you go out there and you, and you execute. And that's what they did. You know, they didn't you know, just roll over. I mean, they actually did something about it. They saw what they did wrong. They played a totally different game. Um, whatever changes they needed to make, they made them. And mm-hmm. I, this was also interesting. They said, I, I don't know if you um, heard during the broadcast, um, but one of the reports that uh, Gabby Shirley had was that, of all people, Victor Hedman spoke up to the team, which he rarely does, I guess. And he was the one that said, hey, guys, it's nothing. It, you, know, we, you know, we made a ton of mistakes. We'll get them fixed. Let's move on. Um, as if the, as if he had to be the one to remind them he didn't, but the fact that he's at that that level um, where he feels comfortable doing that, it's just another voice in that room, and it's like, oh yeah, we follow that guy. That's that's the big cat. He's gonna he's gonna lock it down for us, and he did um, for the most part until the end of the game, and that gave them the chance, you know, because again they needed to score. They had to have a goal here or there, and then Hedman got them started late in that first period, and away they went. So now you, you've taken home ice away, and that was the goal. Anytime you go on the road, you want to win at least one out of the first two. I, I always think it's better to start on the road. I think there's a lot of pressure to win at home. Um, imagine if they had played that 5 to nothing clunker at Amelie in game one. Uh, it would have really been dark, but now they come home, and if they can hold serve um, their two games here, you're, mm-hmm. in the, you're in the driver's seat. I mean, you, you know, now, now Toronto is that team that – hasn't advanced past the first round again. You know, the, the collars get a little bit tighter up there. Um, they haven't lifted the cup. They haven't won a playoff series in quite some time, much less done that. So this is this tonight, or I guess it was last night at this point, um, is, is, what, is what this group can do because they have been through this before. They have been here... 15, 16, depending on your math uh, times, where they dropped a game and then followed it up with a win. And now you're starting to see where, you know, all this leadership is important. And and like Cooper said, man, their best players played really great. And, and the other thing about, I'll just say this about the power play. Could they have done any more to just say, we're not letting Stamkos get off a one-timer? And now mm-hmm. you see... Now you see Kucherov and Point and those guys, it starts rolling to their side, and they go, okay, mm-hmm. we'll hurt you this way. <laughs> well, and, and teams, look, they scout, they scout the lightning. They know that Kuch would prefer to pass than shoot. Sure he would. And Hedman's the same way. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to double Stamkos like that, then we'll start taking the shots. And, that, and that's the adjustment some of the lightning made tonight. Yeah. Is, and I, their power play is so beautiful. It's lethal. I, I, yeah. I love watching it in, in – 
I know Phil will get upset because they don't pass the puck fast enough. Mm. But part of what makes their power play work is that they're passing it, and then they speed it up. Mm-hmm. They don't go to full speed the whole time. Right, right. They kind of lull you into this rhythm. Yeah. And it's it's bam, kind bam. of pass, yeah. pass, pass, mm-hmm. pass, 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 pass. And it speeds mm-hmm. up on you, and you can't catch up to it. When they've right. got it rolling, it, it's got a rhythm to it, but it's not the same rhythm the whole time. It's a... It's got an ebbs and a flows where it speeds up, slows down, speeds up, slows, and it's so beautiful to watch when it's humming. And, yeah, and the, the key the key there is they set it up. The key mm-hmm. there is that they were able to get it across the blue line and get set up. They weren't able to do that in game yes. one. Yeah, and, and and you know credit Toronto in game one, they sure. had scouted Tampa Bay's power play really right. well, and so the Lightning made adjustments. Now, what adjustments will Toronto make back for that for game three? Sure, you sure. Know, that's what happens in a series is that. Okay, the Lightning's power play is humming in game two, but now mm-hmm. Toronto's going to change things up because they can't let that power play be that lethal, or they will, they will lose the series. Mm-hmm. So now it's what changes will they make coming into game three, and that'll be interesting. The other thing that, and I don't know if this is like was discussed much on the broadcast because the radio broadcast, which you do, I, I didn't listen, but because I was watching TV, um, how much is the fact that? In game one, you had one set of officials, right, which called mm-hmm. a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. And in game two, there was still some extracurricular stuff. There was still borderline roughing and things that went on mm-hmm. after the whistle, which just simply didn't have those. You know what I'm saying? And again, Toronto put themselves in the box legitimately too many times, mm-hmm. and, and, and the Lightning took advantage of it. But you're not going to have the same – it's not going to be the same game every – called the same way every game. It's not, but I don't think game one was poorly officiated. I no. mean, I mean, could you quibble with calls here and there? Sure, but did, called they, a lot of penalties. They, a call, lot they of called penalties. a lot, and I think yeah. they were trying to get a hold of a series. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, particularly when one of the coach beforehand says it's going to be <laughs> a borderline be violent, violent series. Violent. Yeah, um, you know, but also that game got out of hand, and so it got a little more, you know, violent. You know, <laughs> to be honest, you know, not that the Lightning wanted to give up that second and particularly that third goal in the third. But it probably kept the series that game from getting chippy and out of control. Well, that's true. You know, a five-one game late in the third, it may get a little more physical and it may get a little rough after the whistle and, mm-hmm. and you know liberties being taken and and that's kind of what happened. I mean, it was kind of happening in game one, right? When they scored that second goal in the third, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now you're within three, and then they get the shorty to go five-three. Now you're not that that extra curricular stuff's gone because you're trying to score a goal. I mean, you know, you're not that you're not going to take those liberties at that point. Five one late, you might have, and so some of that was avoided in this game because the score was a lot closer. Uh, but I, I think that the officials in Game One were trying to to get control and send a message in the series, particularly with Sheldon Keefe to call it a borderline violent series. But yeah. I haven't, I haven't had a problem with the officiating in either game. I mean, there's always no, calls you could okay. sit there and say, "Eh, why didn't they call that or whatever?" But it wasn't like it was horrendous officiating or you're going, the officiating had really an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, tell me which penalties were called that weren't penalties. Right. There was right. one, no, there I'm... was one slash that was a little questionable. I mean, technically the guy hit his hands, but it wasn't much, but if you hit the hands, it's supposed to be a slash. So they called it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I actually liked the way the game was officiated. I didn't disagree with a lot that mm-hmm. went on in game one. I just know, there were a ton more penalties on both sides, um, and that, that certainly helped Toronto in the end because they were able to capitalize on the power play. Lightning got it 
on this game. They were able to do it. So now they have to they, – they, you know, Toronto will try to do what just happened, you know, to them, mm-hmm. which is try to steal a game, try to get a game in Emily Arena. That's why, you know, as they always say, the cliche is the series doesn't start until somebody wins on the road. Okay, now it's what? It the was series has best, started. Best, <laughs> yeah, it has started now. It was best of seven. Now it's best of five, right? Mm-hmm. Best of five, but at. the other team has the home ice advantage. But 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 now you've got the home ice yep. advantage, and 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 that's why you know game three is so pivotal. Um, if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning or Toronto, because if you can get that two to one lead, now you have a chance to really put a team in in a bad spot. Going back to Toronto, and you know uh, the Lightning have that's what they've done over these past two years is. Uh, they've done a good job of winning at home, and, and they'll be in front of their fans who will be just as loud, just as excited as the Toronto fans were, which were the Toronto fans got quiet in a hurry up there, um, you know, in, in game two. But um, but there's there's pressure. I mean, there's always pressure when you play. Uh, Lightning have handled it better than anybody. They got out of it, it seems, relatively healthy. They're, you know, you always – you see a slash, and then you see Corey Perry holding his arm. You know what I mean? Like you I think he landed on like, his elbow. I mean, is that what it was? was? Like tackled. his funny bone? Yeah, yeah it was kind of cross checked and kind of landed on his arm. I think, but okay, yeah. But there's always those little moments where you go, "Wow, did that guy that guy hurt something?" And they made it. You know, point is not a hundred percent. Although oh. he looked, he looked Much better, better tonight than he had in a while. He had a lot more hop in his step. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was he was making plays on the ice, and you noticed him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Than really you have in, in for much of the last few weeks. I mean, right. Even even as as Cooch and Stamkos were heating up, Point wasn't getting many points. That's true. Even being on the same power play as those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's been he was much more noticeable on Wednesday night, and that and look, that's a good sign for the Lightning. If he's yeah. either found another level or he's getting healthier, and whatever was bothering him, I mean, he missed a couple games down the stretch. You know, whatever, if, if he's getting a little better or whatever, if Braden Point's rolling, the Lightning are a scary team to beat. Indeed they are. So there you go, show prep Tampa Bay. No reason to start screaming and yelling just because the Lightning <laughs> lose a game, even though I was concerned because they looked old and slow and they had played more hockey than anybody. But apparently um, – Concerns little... okay. Panicked is not. Yeah, right. Discouraged. I go back to disappointed. <laughs> Discouraged. It just apply the Lovey Smith to any situation, and you've you've got it pretty much where you want to be right there in the center. So, congratulations to the Lightning. They'll now play in Tampa at Emily Arena. That game will be on what, Friday, Friday night, seven thirty, yeah. and then uh, Sunday night at seven will be Game Four at home. How about that? That'll be good. And then we know there will be a Game Five Tuesday night. In Toronto. In Toronto, yeah. I don't know so if a game time has been continues. set yet on that, but we do know there will be a game five. Yep, indeed there will. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So you had the Lightning playing in Canada. How about the Bucks? Well, they're going to go out of the country as well. They're going to play in Germany. 
And that game, of course, uh, was announced in the morning on Good Morning Football at 7 a.m. I was happy to be up that early just to to watch the uh, official announcement. November 13th in Munich, and it's going to be the Bucks against the Seattle Seahawks at Alliance Arena, home of FC, uh, was it Bayern Munich? Is that what they call it? Bayern Munich, yep. Bayern Munich, yep. yeah. Uh, the uh, soccer club over there. The football so, club over there. Football, my bad, yes. We call it soccer, they call it football. So the American football is going to play at FC uh, Bayern Munich. So uh, the full NFL schedule is going to be released on May 12th. I think that's next week. And um, this game uh, is the first one ever in Germany, which is really something. When you think about um, Tom Brady, the greatest football NFL star ever, right, coming out of retirement, he's going to be going over there. His wife, Giselle Bunchkin, is part German. And uh, so this is a celebrity couple, international couple, if you will. So the Germans are going to get uh, you know quite a show uh, with with the Bucks and a, a good Buccaneer team. It's also late in the year. I mean, this is uh, at a time when playoffs are going to be you know at, at stake. Uh, November thirteenth mm-hmm. is like week ten, I think, and they'll have the bye week after that. But I don't know how good Seattle is going to be. Obviously, I was say, it's a great matchup. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. I mean, you can't ask for a <laughs> yeah, better matchup would, in Germany, right? No, would have been awesome. Except that's not what they're going to get. Um, you know, the games themselves haven't always been that close over there. But yeah, without Russell Wilson, I mean, it might be Drew Locke, right? Or it might be uh, maybe ba- Baker Mayfield. I mean, who, who's to say who's going to be playing quarterback for the Seahawks? But I know this: uh, the Bucks need to change their luck in Europe because they're zero and three. And uh, well, that's why they're left might, England. They're going to Germany now to see if they're exactly. Here. Well, they've yeah, they've they've gone winless in an entire continent. And now they're actually they've gone winless in two continents if you consider their 0 and 26 start in this one. So uh, they haven't won a game over there. They're 0 and 3. Tom Brady, though, on the other hand, he's 3 and 0. In fact, he beat the Bucks one time back in 2009. The Bucks' first England game, they lost 35 to 7 to Tom Brady, and then they were back two years later to play the Chicago Bears. Uh, that was, I believe. Raheem Morris as well, yeah, in 2011. Uh, they were 4-2 and two when they went there. Went there for a week. It was a disaster. You guys broke curfew right and left. They lost 24-18 to 18 to the Bears and Lovey Smith. Don't go leading the charge. And both games were uh, at Wembley then. And then just a couple of years ago, Bruce Arians' first season trying to salvage Jameis Winston, they lost in 2019 to the Panthers. Carolina Panthers in a game that was not as close as it scored, 37-26, and that one was not at Wembley. It was at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is a really cool place, by the way. Like all these – or I haven't been to all these. I've been to Wembley and I've been to Tottenham, so look, listen to me. I'm like a, now an English uh, football uh, expert. But um, it's, it's very interesting because I, I love the way this, uh, this Tottenham uh, Hotspur Stadium just is, is like right in the middle of a neighborhood. Like it is – it's very Lambo-esque, if you will. Um, you know, each town has their little, you know, their, their, their football club, and, and this is a big one, obviously, and, and it's a, it was a state-of-the-art. Uh, they built it with the idea that American football could be played there as well, just like they did in the new Wembley Stadium, and it was, it was absolutely gorgeous. So had some interesting trips over there. Um, you know, and, and, and to have Brady going and playing for the Bucks should be, you know, should be there should be their way to salvage things 
uh, in terms of their their European experience. Because if not, Tom, we can just say the Bucks are cursed in Europe. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I if guess. They don't win? And, yeah, they should never ask to go there again. There's going to be other games over there as well uh, this year in in England. I mean, not in Germany. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's maybe one other in Germany. I'm not sure. No, there's it. three in England and one in uh, Mexico City. Oh, okay, Mexico City has it this year. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's those are, you know, this is the latest one. I think it's unusual to get one this late in the season. You normally they're they're sort of front loaded. Maybe in October. Yeah. That's when the Bucks have been over there before. The Mexico City one is the week after the Bucks go to Germany. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a Monday night or two. That's right. Um, both these teams, like the Seahawks, apparently have follow- a strong following in Germany as well. The Bucks do. The Bucks were given um, marketing rights. You know, they split up. Uh, a lot of these teams split up marketing rights in Europe and in, in Mexico City and, and different places uh, around the globe. Uh, they did that some time ago. This news kind of leaked out. Remember the uh, the U.S. consulate in Germany um, leaked out the date. And, you know, so some of this has been spilling out. The game is at 9.30 in the morning, Eastern time. And mm-hmm. th- that's going to be about 3, 3 o'clock, 3.30 or so, I guess, in Germany. Um, so, yeah, get up uh, breakfast Yep, it's on Breakfast NFL Network, mm-hmm. which uh, three of the, the the European games are on ESPN or NFL Network. The Broncos Jaguars game, be huge audience for that one. That's on <laughs> ESPN Plus. Yeah, well, Russell Wilson will be uh, playing for the Broncos. That's so, true. That's true. You know, we'll get to see we'll get to see that. My my trips to Germany, you know, it, it's been interesting because um, I had never been to England. I hadn't been. I'd been to Europe. I'd been to Athens before I went to uh, went to London. I think uh, the first time. But each time, you know, something different was was kind of going on uh, with the Bucks. And in, um, I think the first time they were there would have been against Tom Brady and the Patriots. That was in two thousand and nine. That was Raheem Morris's uh, first year, mm-hmm. and they had drafted one Josh Freeman. And they were getting the hell beat out of them by Tom Brady, of course. And that was when uh, Josh Freeman had not played at all. And Mark Dominic uh, was in the you know, Sky Suite or wherever he was, up, up high above the stadium there in Wembley. And Raheem Morris got on the phone, went to the bench, got on the phone and asked Mark, which is kind of odd, uh, if this was a good time to play Josh Freeman. And he said, yeah, go for it. And, and Freeman went in. He didn't do much because he didn't play very long. Um, but that was the first time we saw Josh Freeman. And, of course, he, you know, he, he started, I think, pretty much the rest of the games. The quarterback back in those days was one Byron Lefwich and Josh Johnson. Those are the two quarterbacks uh, for the Buccaneers, along with Josh Freeman. So that began the, uh, the Josh Freeman experiment. And then the next time they went over there and played, I believe, yes, Josh Freeman was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. That was the one that uh, – they decided, well, we lost to the Patriots, but you know we didn't come over until late in the week. The Patriots are there all week. Maybe, maybe we should go earlier. And so they decided to go. Uh, I think they left on a Monday morning, and they got over there like Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday morning because uh, you lose a day. And they were there for, what, six days or so, rolled out of this tremendous uh, – sort of resort area that they were staying there was a soccer pitch right on the grounds there at the hotel and they would practice in the morning and then and then they would turn them loose and they were a long way from 
from London, but these guys, you know, all managed to find transportation. And some of them were breaking a lot of curfews, from what I understand. Uh, you know, especially one Aqib Tlaib that came rolling in, as the story goes, around 4 a.m., only to see Raheem Morris waiting for him. Because Rob was probably, Rob was still up too uh, <laughs> those days. So, you know, uh, yeah, it was, and, and they played that way. You know, Jeremy Trueblood, was, like they, they were just, they were, they were bad. They, it was, the game was a little closer, again, than the score would indicate. But that was the game, you know, they came in hot. I mean, they had gone 10-6 and six the year before in 2010 in Raw's second year. And then um, they got off to a 4-2 and two start. And you thought, you know, they beat Atlanta and New Orleans in the conference, so they were or in the division, so they were two and zero in the division. The Bears weren't great; they weren't a great. It wasn't a great Bears team. Lovey Smith was towards the end of his tenure there, and they really should have won that game, but uh, they didn't. And and then you know, Ernest Graham tore his Achilles in that game, and Ernest was one of those guys, you know, underrated running back, not real explosive, but but a guy that just knew how to get it done. But more than that, he was a, he was quite a leader. Um, and they also got LeGarrette Blunt hurt in that game. So both running backs went out, and LeGarrette ended up obviously having a really good NFL career and won three Super Bowls, not in Tampa, but other places. Um, and, you know, I think I think losing him, uh, I want to say there was an egregious penalty on Aqib Tlaib at some point in the game. Uh, he didn't play very well. And so they lost that game, but they lost some some key players and I think they just they didn't have veterans behind those guys, and they they really weren't able to to sort of sustain that. And then that was the first of ten straight losses. I, I would have never guessed that after a four and two start, a ten and six season the year before. That 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 ten and six, and I think they won their last game uh, in Ross' first year when they went what three and thirteen. But they had this stretch where you know this twenty four game stretch, which is still one of the best twenty four game stretches in franchise history. Now it's changed with Tom Brady. Um, but Ra had it going. We talked a lot about Raheem Morris on this podcast a little while ago. You guys enjoyed that. Um, but he, he just couldn't turn it back around. And, of course, he was fired. They didn't have very many players. They decided to go young and save money and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the wheels started to come off in England at Wembley in that game against the Bears. And then the last time they were there, uh, another disaster, both on and off the field for me. But um, <laughs> in 2019... Uh, the, of course, it, it, you know, the whole deal was is that the quarterback whisperer, Bruce Arians, had come in here to save Jameis Winston. You know, ostensibly, like this was his last best chance, and I mean, I mean, Winston's not Arians, and so if he couldn't do it, nobody could, right? So, uh, you know, Jameis obviously had a turnover problem, and that's that was what they were supposed to be trying to fix. Well, they didn't fix it. And, in fact, in this game in 2019, playing over there in Carolina, uh, my family went to that game. And uh, I think it was my oldest, um, Natasha, might have said when they got settled in the, in, in the Hotspur Stadium, um, the Bucks had the ball first. And she said, according to my wife, come on, Jameis, don't throw any interceptions. Literally five seconds later on the first play of the game, uh, you know, Mike Evans is running a hitch route and he throws it to the wrong side of Mike Evans or Mike Evans ran the wrong route, take your pick, and the ball is intercepted by the Panthers, literally on the first play of the game. And that was one of six turnovers by Winston. I believe he had five interceptions and a lost fumble in that game. 
a total, total disaster. And, and you know, that was one where Arians came in after the game and was kind of like, yeah, you know, well, this one was a bad route. This one, he, he sort of, he didn't give him a hall pass, but he sort of alibied a little bit more than I would have preferred him to. But you could tell he was, you know, he was a little shell-shocked. Like, that was his first Jameis experience, right? The Jameis experience. You used to have the Michael Vick experience, which is a different thing altogether. This was the Jameis experience where you can't believe a guy can turn the ball over that much and still only lose by 11 points. And so, you know, he, he was – Bruce was <laughs> – taken aback to say the least and I felt like that was the first time that Arians realized okay I might not be able to fix this <laughs> like like uh, I understand now what the problem is and it might be bigger than me and so you know and, and to Jameis's credit like Jameis did what he usually does after he has games like that he he, start, he started to sort of throttle back and make better decisions and you know maybe didn't have as big a numbers but they, they eventually got on a winning streak a little bit and he had a couple games that he just lit it up. 426 one game, 427 the next game. Um, back-to-back, uh, they, I remember the last of that was they, they won in Detroit. They beat the Lions up there against a bad Lions team. That's when Brashard Perryman had like a four-game run where he scored five touchdowns. He was just going off. Everybody was hurt at receiver, and so um, Perryman was like the one guy that Jameis had, and he made good use of him. And they got to 7-7, seven and seven, and I thought, wow, he's going to make it. Like I even wrote the story that you know after the Detroit game, if Jameis may, if Jameis plays this way these last two games, they had Tennessee and Atlanta, and neither one were great teams at that time. And I said if if they finish nine and seven and he does anything like he's played these these previous two games, he's going to be the quarterback going forward because you know that that's what you were looking for. Maybe he's turned the corner. Was not to be. Uh, they come in, they play Tennessee. Tennessee gets stoned. By the Bucks defense, the Bucks they couldn't get a first down. I mean, Bucks defense played great. Um, Jameis had a pick six early in the game. Uh, I think they got down ten points right away because of a couple turnovers, and they went on to win a game that really Houston had no business winning. I said Tennessee, I meant Houston. It was the, it was the uh, the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson. And then um, the next game was the Atlanta Falcons game. And it was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if eight and eight's going to get him there. Let's see what he does. And that was the one that was the walk-off overtime uh, pick six, I think, by the linebacker uh, Jones for Atlanta. And on that day, that moment, I remember going into the post into the post game and seeing uh, Bruce Arians, and I could tell he was done with Jameis Winston. I I don't know who they were going to get to play quarterback the next year. It didn't matter. Uh, I remember asking. Because uh, I wrote the story, like, remember this. Remember this image. Remember, you know, the image of, of this pick six and Jameis walking off the field and, and Arians and all this. And and I remember asking Bruce, it's like, if that's the last, you know, how much would this last image kind of affect your plans going forward? He goes, well, it's it's not a good one, you know. And he just kind of left it there. It's like not, not the way you want to finish the season for sure. And so that's when they started looking behind door number two. And of course, Tom Brady came, and the rest is history. Um, for me personally, like going back to the uh, the England England game that Jameis played that year, um, my my wife had my youngest daughter. Uh, she had both, but my youngest daughter Alexander wasn't feeling great. They came over on the media bus with us. She wasn't feeling great going in, and it turns out she got like uh, some kind of uh, uh, of a uh, 
of a virus or not a virus, but a, a, a like a sinus infection type thing. She's running a fever really high. The thing I found out is that in Europe, it's a little different over there. <laughs> you can't just go to doctors, right? And so my wife made her way back from Tottenham to where we were staying in London and then had to go to pharmacies and try to find medicine and stuff like that. Finally got a doctor to come to the hotel. So she got sick and we were going to go to Paris. And my other one said, well, I can't believe that Alex is killing my trip to Paris. She's sick. And I'm like, look, have a heart. I mean, she didn't want to be sick. Like this is, you know, we, we had to stay two days in London so she could get well enough to travel. And then boom, you know, uh, karma being what it is, the next day um, we're, we're headed back home. And now my oldest daughter is sick with a different, a totally different virus, uh, which is a stomach virus. And that was a disaster. She, she made it all the way back to within, I guess it was 500 feet of the gate in Miami. We flew 10 hours with her head on my lap. And that's when she decided to uh, show us what was making her sick. And we got to watch and it was, it was not pleasant. So I had, you know, my, the lesson there is when I go to Munich this year, I am not bringing my children. I am not bringing the kids. They, they are going to have to stay home no matter what, if, if, if I'm fortunate enough to go. So, uh, it's a lot of fun over there though. And, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Germany as a country I've never been in. Um, it, it is always interesting to see the reaction of the European fans. They, uh, cheer for both teams. It's a, it's got a, it's always had a Super Bowl like atmosphere. 500,000 people supposedly are on a ticket waiting list for this game. Um, they're always sold out, but this first one in Munich. Here's another interesting fun fact that I found, Steve. Let me just ask you. like, So you're thinking Seattle and Tampa Bay. Well, Seattle clearly has a longer trip, right? Wouldn't you mm-hmm. think to Germany? Yes. You think so, right? And they do. It is longer. But not by as far as you think. How about this? From... From Seattle to Germany, and a lot of this has to do with the you know the northern like curvature of the Earth and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, from Seattle to Germany, it's five thousand two hundred sixty-four miles. From uh, to Munich, from Seattle or, or I'm sorry, from Tampa to Munich, four thousand nine hundred ninety-one miles. Only a difference of less than three hundred miles. Wow. Isn't that wild? Wow. Yeah, I would have never expected that, but because we're so far south. Mm-hmm. Um, they go across the northern hemisphere. And Munich's and further north than you think. That's right. It's way up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it, kind of. The it reason. also wouldn't surprise me if, and I don't know if Seattle plans on going over early in the week, but they could schedule a team Absolutely. against an East Coast team the week mm-hmm. before, so then they just go straight from say New York or yes, you know where you know wherever they're playing. You know, yes, it, Philadelphia, league, whatever. I mean, you know, yes. The league could do them a big favor if if their week nine game is on the East Coast and they just merely travel from mm-hmm. from that locale instead of going all the way back to Seattle. If they're on the road at all, yes. like you, you know, it'd be awful if they were on the road in the East Coast and had to travel back and then all the way to Germany. And and you know, the NFL could do the Bucks a favor by not scheduling them in you know San Francisco the week before. That's true. <laughs> God knows they got San Francisco and Arizona, so it could, mm-hmm. there's two West Coast trips where. Yep. Um, yeah, that would not be good. So a late bye week, which which is usually good. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, typically the the better teams have either bye weeks in the middle or towards the late part of the season, which really helps because you you know you're trying to get healthy for uh, you know you're trying to get healthy for the for the postseason. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we saw how that benefited the Bucks two years ago, mm-hmm. having the bye week. What after week twelve, right? They were what seven and five. 
And then they, you know, did a lot of self-evaluation and changed some things and, and made the offense a little more to Tom Brady's liking. And then they went on that run of eight straight wins. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, the later buys to me, you know, having a buy like week four is just the second half of that season is long. Yeah. You know, it gives you some rest in the middle of the season, some, you know, heal up some from the injuries, you know, things that are bothering you. Starting buys at week four or five is just to me way too early. Yeah, it, it it it's it's too much of a of a of a grind to try to make. I mean, this is NASCAR, right? This is a war of attrition. That's what the NFL is, and you just never know. I mean, um, you hope Tom Brady stays healthy. Nothing's guaranteed, and and so you know, like last year with the you know the rash of injuries they had in the secondary, mm-hmm. and and you know then the offensive line. I mean, I really do believe, and Tristan Wirfs was on Good Morning Football sort of promoting this game. I really do believe if Tristan Wirfs didn't get hurt, and he had never missed a game in his life anywhere, uh, and he was unable to play, and Josh Wells, his replacement, was also hurt, and he didn't play well because of it. If those injuries don't occur, I really do think you have a different outcome. Similarly, I think that Kansas City would have been much better if they didn't have injuries on their offensive Mm -hmm. line and had a bunch of guys that weren't good players uh, that that Tampa Bay just took advantage of, because you know the first time they played them, um, you know earlier that year it was a it was a much better game and Kansas City won. But by the time they got to the Super Bowl, it wasn't the same offensive line and the Bucks defense was playing really really good and that was the matchup that cost them. So, you know those things, you know those are all the unknowns. You know those are the little assassins of NFL seasons that you really can't predict. But um, but I know they're banking heavily on on Brady staying healthy and being over there and. You know, so it um it'll be a good experience. It's it, it's a tough, it you know it's a tough schedule. I mean, they play a lot of great quarterbacks. Um, they mentioned the road games to San Francisco, and um, you know, and also to Arizona. They've got Kansas City. They've got Cincinnati. Um, pretty much any any good quarterback you can name in the NFL, they're playing. Um, so there's gonna be you know, and then and then the TV schedule, the full schedule, of course, comes out as I said, May twelfth. We're going to see probably whatever the maximum games are for national TV, five, I think, um, before the flexes and stuff like that. Uh, you're going to see that many. I mean, there's just that many good matchups with Brady against anybody, right? Brady against these young quarterbacks, uh, uh, you know, I think you're going to see. And so, you know, when you, when you combine the late games, the Sunday nights, the Monday nights, the short weeks, they'll have a Thursday night always, and then a trip to Germany, one to San Francisco, one to Arizona – um, it's going to be a daunting schedule, you know, in terms of travel and also uh, just in terms of opponents. So this will not be easy. I think the NFL also, and I don't like. I'm not totally sure what their bent is on on Europe. I, I do believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars one day will be partially based in London. I think they'll be London's team. This is. I think they're going over there for like the 11th time or something like that. And uh, they've been playing two games a year in Germany now um, for quite a while, uh, it seems, and. You know, with respect to these other areas, uh, the marketing that that they're getting from from football uh, in Europe, uh, that's just going to continue to grow. But what's interesting is that with the 17 game schedule, each year, either the AFC or the NFC has that extra home game, right? That ninth home game. Well, if you play those games, that ninth home game in Europe, it's a great way to do it because, or Mexico City or or, or someplace else. Because you still you still maintain your eight home games as you would normally have in a sixteen game season, but you can use that seventeenth game to say, okay, Tampa, you're the host team. 
but we're going to send you to London. We're going to send this team to um, to Germany or, or Mexico City or whatever. So it kind of works out, even though it's it, you know you have to do this every other you know year with the conferences getting the extra home game. Mm-hmm. Um, you put it on a neutral field, and then there's not really an advantage for either team. Yeah, the NFL is committed what to four games a year that the team the the, the conference with nine home games has to go to host a game Correct. in Europe. Yep. So yep. there's four teams every year that are doing that. Yep. So next year it'll be four AFC teams that'll be the home team Correct. over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then in two mm-hmm. years it'll be four NFC teams again. And I wonder, and I, I don't think this will happen. I know when they first started going over there like way back in whatever they talked about it, 2007 or whatever. Um, I know Roger Goodell at that time, he got a lot of pushback, said, oh, I see you so having a Super Bowl over here in London one day. Yeah, I you know, that's such an American holiday, you know, that there was, you know, people would never want to see the Super Bowl leave uh, our shores and be sort of exported to to another country. And then the other part is the time. Well, I was going to say part. the game would have to be earlier in the day, which It'd have actually to be wouldn't like, be a bad thing, to be honest. Well, it wouldn't be a bad thing if you want to make it to work on Monday. But, you know, it's it's also it would have to be played most likely, depending on where the game was, probably around one o'clock you know, because of the time change or the time difference because you couldn't have teams that have been there preparing for the Super Bowl playing at midnight. So, um, you know, I, I think that I, I think that's problematic. I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, and I do believe that, at least in my lifetime, we're going to see a team in Europe that competes in the NFL. And I think it's going to be the Jaguars to begin with. I also think that they will have a home training facility and a home base in Jacksonville or wherever that that team is located uh they'll come over here they'll stay here for a few weeks play some road games go back over there where it gets difficult are things like practice squad you know now that they've expanded the practice squad not as problematic but for example back in the day if you needed a player um to that you claimed off waivers you know you can get them in the city in in just a few hours now um you're you know you're going to try to import a guy uh, you know, across the Atlantic Ocean that, you know, has to secure him a place to live and all that stuff. So it's a little more, like, from a functional standpoint, it's a little tricky, uh, just sort of the roster maneuvers in the NFL. But with the expanded practice squads, not as difficult as it used to be. I could also see them putting two teams over in London or yes. in England yes. so that England. Mm-hmm. when you go over there to play – Mm-hmm. One week you play this team and you stay there for the next week That's to play the next team and then come great back. Great point. Yeah, and and so you you work the schedule so that when, you know they're in the same division, so mm-hmm. those two teams one of their road games is each other, so right. they don't have to come over to the United States as often. And you sure. know you you make the road trips to where maybe they're coming over for three straight road games and then back, or you know you, there's some things schedule wise you can do logistically, especially if you have two teams in London, or in England. It doesn't have to be both London, but right in England. Yeah, no, I, I I just think, you know, it just makes too much – there's too much money. I mean, this is what this is about, mm-hmm. right? It's about revenue, and nobody makes revenue um, the way the way the NFL does. In fact, and I don't know what the contract's up to now, but, I mean, they have a contract in Europe, uh, Sky Sports, that pays them a billion with a B dollars or did. It might be even more than that now. Uh, one of these games is going to be streamed, as you mentioned, um, so streaming is coming mm-hmm. aboard, and that's more revenue for the. And they just continue to find ways to export their product. And obviously, if you open a whole European audience, think about the merchandise, think about the TV rights, um, you know. And 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 that's the thing. And when we would go to London, we didn't just see people from England that were excited about NFL football. You know, Europe is. You know, 
I mean, if, I don't have to tell you, you know, you can be 300 miles from a different, from two different countries. And so, you know, there were Germans in London, there were uh, Swiss in London, there were, you know, uh, you could name probably four or five countries we would see uh, just, you know, in a restaurant, um, you know, wearing NFL gear. And, and some of them have their own leagues that they play American football uh, in Europe too. So there, there's a lot of, of, um, of potential for growth, and that's what, that's what the NFL is all about, and that's what they're doing. All right, so we're going to have our mailbag tomorrow. You can still submit questions if you want to. Uh, you reach us uh, at NFL Stroud on Twitter. You can uh, you know, do the podcast at Sports Day TV, or my email address is rstroud at Tampa Bay. Dot com. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 